Hey everybody, welcome back to Explain Like I'm 5, the podcast where we take the questions you always wanted to ask and talk about them in a way that's easy to understand. We are your hosts, I'm Tim. Hey everyone, I'm Kevin. So Kevin, this week, for listeners in the United States uh, and also those who follow uh, news in the United States, we have a topic that comes around every few years in the news. Oh yeah, what is that? There's a lot of news these days. Uh, That's right, but this week's topic is about the debt ceiling. Can we describe the debt ceiling like I'm five? Uh, and you know why does the debt ceiling even exist when all they seem to do is continually raise it? Oh yes, Tim, that does seem to be top in the news these days. A really good question. So basically, over the last 50 years, the government has raised it like 57 times. Uh, so you might think to yourself, why even have a debt ceiling, right? Exactly, why? So. The idea is essentially to give Congress some oversight. You see, Congress is the one that sets the budgets, whereas the Treasury gathers the debts uh, by selling bonds to finance that. And the debt ceiling is basically an approval of the overall amount of bonds that the Treasury is allowed to sell against the overall credit of the United States. So I've once heard it explained as a simple analogy with a credit card. Yeah, yeah, I think that is the best ELI-5 way to explain it. Uh, So imagine that you, the entire United States, (laughs) has a a credit card. And this credit card has a limit, let's say something like $1,000. Now, this credit card now is pretty near maxed out. uh, But you need to buy some stuff soon. And you know that between now and your next bill, you need to buy some things and you have no choice but to buy them with this credit card. So that credit card limit is basically like the debt ceiling. We will hit the limit of our borrowing limit uh, on a given date. And this happened in 2011, 2013, and again in 2021. So then what do you do in this situation? Mm -hmm, Good. So let's extend the situation to the way that the government actually works. So you've already agreed to pay some bills for next month because, you know, you sign up for them and they're in the budget. For you and me, it might be something like the cell phone contract. For the government, it might be a spending package for something. So at this point, your option is to basically call the credit card company and ask them to raise the limit. Uh, And the good news is, in the case of the United States, the credit card company is always going to say yes because they know the U.S. can make its monthly payments. Now, the problem is, if you decide not to call them, you may not make your monthly payments now, and that can have lots of knock-on effects. So this is what the whole debt ceiling legislation is trying to do, raise our credit limit. So it wasn't always the case that there was a debt ceiling, though. Uh, what happened before the debt ceiling came into place? Yeah, so before the existence of the debt ceiling, um, every single time that the United States was going to go into debt required a whole separate congressional action. And to kind of carry on the credit card analogy, rather than have a broad limit, you'd have to tell the credit card company each time you needed to make a major purchase. And the debt ceiling was created to basically allow the executive branch to take out debt without any specific congressional approval up to basically a certain amount. And this was in 1917. Why did it change then? Yes, yes, 1917. So from the founding of the United States all the way until 1917, Congress uh, did this, right? They always directly authorized each individual debt. Uh, And to provide more basically flexibility to finance the United States' involvement in World War I, Congress modified the method by which it authorized debt in the second 
Liberty Bond Act of 1917, which established this aggregate limit or quote-unquote ceiling on the total amount of new bonds that could be issued. So if Congress itself sets budgets, can't they streamline the whole process? Oh, well, actually, there have been streamlinings of the process. Uh, the Jafar rule came into effect in 1979, and that stood for 16 years and basically said that when Congress appropriates money, it is deemed to raise the debt ceiling to cover whatever they just appropriated. Um, this basically resolved the contradiction in kind of voting for appropriations but not voting to fund them, you know? And the rule stood until it was repealed, actually, by Congress in 1995. Now, how do others do it? Do other countries have debt ceiling limits? So in most countries, there is no debt limit because it's not actually needed to give the legislature control over borrowing. The legislature, uh, they already determined how much borrowing needs to be done by setting the uh, overall revenue and spending, since the borrowing must basically equal the difference between the two. So setting the amount of borrowing separately is kind of redundant. But here in the United States, the rules have evolved to include the separate congressional control over borrowing in the form of a debt limit. I see. And this separation has led to some political issues. Uh, the first one that I remember is uh, the debt ceiling crisis of 2011. Yeah, yeah, that was a big one. In 2011, um, Republicans in Congress, they demanded a deficit reduction as part of raising the debt ceiling. So on August 5th, 2011, uh, S&P, they issued their first ever downgrade in the federal government's credit rating. And the credit downgrade combined with the whole debt ceiling debacle uh, actually contributed to the Dow Jones falling nearly like 2,000 points in late July and August. Uh, I remember that. Wasn't there an interesting factoid involving Apple that emerged at this time? Oh, yes, yes. Thanks, thanks for the reminder, yes. Uh, in July 2011, uh, with the whole American debt ceiling crisis, Apple's financial reserves were briefly larger than those of the U.S. government. You know, just briefly. And there's another interesting thing that nearly came out of this crisis, which is uh, something that was called the trillion dollar coin. Oh yeah, yeah, that was really, really interesting. So the trillion dollar coin is a concept that emerged uh, during that whole uh, debt ceiling crisis of 2011 as basically a proposal to bypass any necessity for the United States Congress to raise the country's borrowing limit. It was, however, ultimately rejected by the Federal Reserve and the Treasury. Hmm. The overall idea was for the Treasury Department to mint a coin and send it to the Federal Reserve to pay off the debt. Uh, and this was first popularized by Populist Party presidential candidate Bo Gritz in 1992. Uh, it was a, as a standard part of his you know, stump speeches. He would hold up this kind of a five-inch example coin. But yeah, but it was bad because even though the concept may be strictly legal, it would really weaken the checks and balances of the United States government. Uh, but it did, however, have some high-profile advocates. I even think the economist uh, Paul, Krug Paul Krugman said, uh, so minting the coin would be undignified, but so what? At the same time, it would be economically harmless and would avoid would both avoid catastrophic economic developments and help head off government by basically blackmail. Very interesting. Uh, so finally, as with many things in life, uh, it seems as though The Simpsons TV show had predicted much of this. Is that right? Oh yes, I swear there's a subreddit that details everything The Simpsons predicted. <laughs> 
So uh, Michael Steele, then spokesperson of House Speaker John Boehner, he actually dismissed the concept of the trillion dollar coin by comparing it to a Simpsons episode called The Trouble with Trillions. That episode aired like 13 years before the United States debt ceiling crisis. And in it, Homer Simpson was on a mission in search of a missing trillion dollar bill. I see. Did you learn something new? If you did, send us an email. We are at eli5thepodcast at gmail.com. We love hearing from you, especially when you have ideas for future topics. Uh, And of course, please do leave us a five-star review on iTunes if you get a chance. As always, thank you to the community at r slash explain like I'm five, and we will see you all next week.